it is not an exaggeration to say that we are living in incredibly chaotic times. There's the chaos in Afghanistan. There's the chaos in uh, COVID and everything that COVID has wreaked upon the human family. There's civil and social chaos. And there's the chaos of all of the environmental challenges that are facing us. We are indeed living in a time of great chaos. Yet, there, there is a silver lining within this chaos. And that silver lining is that the chaos is giving all of us an opportunity to examine our belief systems, to examine the maps by which we live each and every day of our lives. And more specifically, uh, the chaos is giving us an opportunity to see if our maps are helping us to deal with the chaos in a way that is creative, intelligent, optimistic, and compassionate. And what I would put forward to you is that if your map is not helping you to deal with the chaos in a way that is intelligent, creative, um, optimistic and compassionate, then perhaps there's something deficient in your map. And specifically, I want to talk about two very different maps. That's the map of atheism, that there is no God, no higher transcendental intelligence, and the map of theism, that there is a transcendental intelligence that is guiding the evolutionary process of creation in the human race. These are two very different maps that create uh, two very different sets of experiences. That's why I'm not talking about just a philosophical kind of discussion today. What I'm talking about has great existential implications for our day-to-day -day lives. But let me give a qualification. I'm not trying to talk anyone into belief in God or talk anyone out of believing in God. I'm not ultimately making any statements today about belief in God or not. I'm just talking about the implications of these two very different maps of reality. Let me start with a personal story. I began to wrestle with God and the existence of God as a 12-year-old boy. Literally, I was sitting in my mother's funeral mass, and three questions just naturally bubbled up from inside of me. Does my mother still exist? In what form does she exist? And will I ever have contact with her? Will I ever know her again? That was when I began wrestle with God. So let's start with atheism. Fundamental to any atheistic perspective is that there is no transcendental intelligence guiding the process of life or the process of evolution. Your existence, my existence, is simply a result of a random roll of the cosmic dice. Life on planet Earth is nothing more than the 
accidental effect of a series of random genetic mutations. So one of the implications of atheism is a kind of nihilism, meaning that, that there is no inherent purpose to life. There is no inherent meaning. There is no goal to life because it's all just a coincidence. It's all, again, just a roll of the cosmic dice. And this kind of nihilistic perspective actually creates a kind of narcissism. And what do I mean by that? Well, it puts you and me at the center of creation. It's up to you and me to figure out the meaning of life, not to discover it in some sort of joyful process, but to create it literally out of thin air. It's hard to have any optimism or faith in the future when it's all just a random roll of the dice and there is no greater intelligence, there is no benign force in creation guiding the whole process. And this results in what I refer to as the buffet itself. It, again, it puts you and me at the center of life and it puts so much weight on our shoulders that we have to figure everything out again out of thin air. So let me contrast this atheistic map with the theistic map of belief in God. And I'm going to start with uh, two quotes, two of my favorite people. One is Paramahansa Yogananda. He was a yogi and a philosopher from India. And he said, God is love. God's plan for creation is rooted only in love. Every saint who has ever penetrated to the core of reality testifies to a divine and universal plan that is beautiful and filled with joy. End of quote. Now again, I'm not saying that, that what Yogananda said was true. What I am saying is that the implications of what Yogananda said are, are incredible in terms of how we handle chaos. Next, I want to quote, again, one of my favorite people, Francis of Assisi, who lived in the 13th century. And this is what he said about God. God is love. God is charity. God is wisdom. God is patience. God is beauty. God is rest. God is safety. God is joy and gladness, hope, justice, understanding, and strength. God is charity. God is sweetness. God is eternal life. Again, I'm not saying that what Francis said was true. I'm just saying, what are the implications? Well, the implications are that life does have inherent value, that life has meaning, that it's not the result of a random roll of the cosmic dice, that a transcendental intelligence is part and parcel of the creative process, part and parcel of the evolutionary process, and there is therefore great meaning to life, great purpose, and great joy waiting to be uncovered and discovered 
by us. Therefore, we're not alone. Therefore, it's not up to us to figure everything out. We just have to avail ourselves to this transcendental intelligence, to this transcendental love, to help guide us through life's challenges. It really creates the potential for having faith in the future, for being optimistic that somehow everything is working together. Belief in God in the context that I'm talking about can really help to minimize, to minimize that sense of being buffeted by all of life's chaos, because we're not alone. We're part of something bigger and grander. Now, I want to be fair to both atheism and to the negative side of theism. Let me go to atheism. There are many atheists who have what I call a golden heart, that they have some kind of intuitive connection to a higher power, to a transcendental consciousness. I have a very dear friend who kind of posits himself somewhere between agnosticism and atheism. Recently, I asked him, you know, you're a very good man. You clearly have a sense of morality. Where does it come from, especially given the fact that you don't have any explicit belief in God? His response surprised me. He said it comes from the Ten Commandments. So, again, on some sort of intuitive level, he's plugged into a higher intelligence, a higher guidance, a higher wisdom that guides his life. Again, there are many atheists I know that have golden hearts. And there are many people who say they believe in God, but their lives don't give evidence of believing in God. I want to give a, a quote uh, from Frederick Douglass, one of my heroes. He was a former slave, and he fought to rid our country of slavery. Quote, I love the pure, peaceable, and impartial Christianity of Christ. I therefore hate the corrupt, slave-holding, woman-whipping, cradle-plundering, partial, and hypocritical Christianity of this land. I see no reason to describe this country as being the land of Christianity. End of quote. So, just because one says that they believe in a transcendental power, they believe in a loving God, it doesn't mean that they truly believe. To believe in something is not just to have a mental construct. To believe in a transcendental reality is something that gets into the very fiber of our being. It's something that we experience at the level of the heart and the soul and the spirit. It's only when belief goes to that level that it has the power to transform our lives. Now, what I want to say is that we all have some kind of God that guides our life. We all have a primary loyalty. We all have a primary point of reference. We all have an operational deity or an operational God. The only question that remains is, what is our point of reference? What is our 
point of loyalty. Who or what is our operational God? Is it atheism, the belief that there is no ultimate reality of life to life? Or is it the belief in some sort of transcendental intelligence that is benevolent and is guiding the process? What do we deeply hold to believe? What do we deeply hold? What do we deeply believe to be true? Because it will impact every aspect of our lives. I'm going to close with this question. How do we know if something is true or not? How do we know if our beliefs are true or not? And in this context, I operate in the spirit of William James, the great American philosopher. He was a pragmatist. And this is what pragmatism tells us. That we know that something is true because it, support li it supports life. We know it's true because it evolves us. It makes us better human beings. It makes us wiser, more loving, more creative, more skillful in dealing with life's chaos. If something doesn't support the evolutionary process, if it doesn't make us bigger and better, then it's not grounded in reality, therefore it's not true. Again, a true belief, a belief that points to reality, makes us more compassionate, makes us more wise, it makes us more creative, it makes us stronger and better able to deal with life's chaos. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you liked it, please like it. Please forward it to a friend. And if you have any questions, please uh, send them to me in an email. I'm going to try to deal with everyone's questions in each of these podcasts. Thank you for listening. And again, if you like this podcast, pass it on to a friend. Have a great day. Be healthy, be wise, and be happy.